Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, be sure to subscribe to the show to make sure you receive a new episode of the podcast each and every week. This week, I'm doing something a little bit different. This episode is all about advocacy and Peace Corps Week. I talk with Glenn Bloomhorst, President and CEO of the National Peace Corps Association, about his role and the importance of Peace Corps advocacy. I also talk to two Kentucky RPCVs, Bonnie Graves and Will Glasscock, about their service and how they have advocated for the Peace Corps since returning home. Peace Corps Week commemorates President Kennedy's establishment of the Peace Corps on March 1, 1961. During this annual event, the Peace Corps community celebrates all the ways the Peace Corps makes a difference at home and abroad and renews its commitment to service. All of March is National Peace Corps Association's National Days of Action. Now, more than ever, America and the world need the Peace Corps. To find out more, please visit advocacy.peacecorpsconnect.org to get involved at the local level throughout the month of March and take action to advocate for the Peace Corps' resources, mission, and values. Without further ado, here is episode 32, Advocating for the Peace Corps. This is, this is, this is, this is my, my Peace Corps, Peace Corps, my Peace Corps, my Peace Corps story, story, story. Hey, Glenn, how are you doing? Good morning, Tyler. Uh, very good, sir. Thank you. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Sitting in your office at the National Peace Corps Association, uh, I guess, headquarters. Is this what you call it? You call it headquarters or just, just the office? We just call it the office here. It's a pretty laid-back environment. Lots of folks coming and going and uh, uh, staff here that's interacting on a variety of different activities throughout the day. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your role with the National Peace Corps Association, and anything else that we should know about the Glen? All right. Well, first of all, Tyler, thank you so much for um, the work you do and the uh, podcast that you uh, have developed. Uh, it's really a great service to our Peace Corps community and to the world. I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's great to be a part of it today. And uh, um, it's really, for me, just a, a tremendous privilege to be here at National Peace Corps Association as the president and CEO. Uh, this is, for me, just a, a, a continuation of my service in many ways. And I feel that uh, the privilege to me here has been to serve in a community of over 200,000 individuals who really care about the Peace Corps and want to continue to make an impact in the world. Mm -hmm. And to give everybody a sense of you as a volunteer, where did you serve and what were you doing? Sure. I served as a crop diversification volunteer in Guatemala from 1988 to 91. I completed my two-year service and then extended for a third year and a little bit more beyond that. Um, so I have a very fond appreciation for Guatemala and its country, and I actually ended up staying there and working beyond my Peace Corps service for another three and a half years. So oh, wow. I ended up seven, seven years total in Guatemala. And then back to the U.S., and then how soon after that did you get involved with the National Peace Corps Association? So it's an interesting pathway. I uh, 
learned a lot about international development, I think, when I was in the Peace Corps and how grassroots development really works. And so I uh, took off on a career in international development, uh, particularly uh, along the lines of agriculture and community development. I ended up working with a an NGO based here in Washington, D.C., ACDI VOCA, uh, Agricultural Cooperative Development International, Volunteers and Overseas Cooperative Assistance. I had nearly a 20-year career with them working in uh, – uh, mostly the areas of uh, uh, community development uh, and mostly in Latin America, but around the world. Um, and I credit my Peace Corps service with really helping to understand what is community-driven development and and uh, you know, good use of, of uh, good stewardship of funds uh, from our donors, USAID in particular at that time, uh, to invest in the communities around the world to make a difference. And so uh, I felt uh, having been in the Peace Corps and having experienced uh, life at the level of, of individuals who, you know, who are part of the community really helped me in, in prepare for that career. Mm-hmm. And then how long have you been with the National Peace Corps Association? So, Tyler, it's curious, uh, almost 30 years ago, basically, is when I started my service. And five years ago to the day almost is when I started here at National Peace Corps Association. Um, I think my second day on the job was our National Day of Advocacy. And uh, I really had no idea what was going on. I just went with the flow and and uh, learned a lot that day in particular. Mm-hmm. Having attended one of those uh, National Days of Advocacy, it's a busy day. So that's a, definitely a way to, to start in the National Peace Corps Association. Now, as president, what do you what do you do uh, for the National Peace Corps Association? What is your main role, your day to day? So, I'd like to say first and foremost, what what I feel like is the most vital part of my role is to listen to our community and and then guide the strategy and plans for the NPCA to respond back to what our uh, community priorities are and. Uh, you know, we've set our strategic plan a few years ago uh, based on that, and uh, it established that uh, because our community cares so much about the Peace Corps itself and the experience in the Peace Corps, uh, we wanted to do all we could to help make Peace Corps its best, and that includes ensuring it has adequate funding for the programs and safety and security of volunteers, uh, legislation to make uh, necessary reforms when they're needed, and, and uh, do all we can to make sure Peace Corps, the Peace Corps experience is the best it can be for volunteers and return Peace Corps volunteers. Uh, beyond that, uh, building out our um, community network around the world, around the country, uh, so that we can deliver a third goal on the ground uh, where it really makes a difference and help others understand uh, across cultures and, and across uh, nations uh, what the world's like. And uh, we want to continue having an impact around the world as well. So uh, we facilitate uh, RPCVs and others to continue to have impact by serving uh, in their countries of service or other ways that they can can work uh, through NPCA. So for me, it's really about uh, capturing what is important to our community, the causes that are important to us, and helping advance them by serving as a facilitator and an enabler and, in some cases, provider of resources to support their efforts. Mm-hmm. And with the National Day of Action coming up, when this episode comes out, it'll be two days later. Uh, I'll be there on the Hill uh, with you and a bunch of other returned Peace Corps volunteers speaking on behalf of Peace Corps and why we feel it's important. But just in your own words, why, why do you feel that Peace Corps is important, especially now in 2018? 
Right. Well, I think uh, the three goals of the Peace Corps are as relevant as they ever could be. Um, first and foremost, uh, around the world, you know, we see uh, tremendous uh, challenges uh, from poverty, access to water, access to education, and and a variety of other things. And uh, you know, Peace Corps volunteers are some of the most cost-effective support that we can provide, uh, and and delivering uh, support to local communities along the lines of the first goal. Uh, the second goal, as well. As we, you know, gain a better understanding of other cultures and other countries, I think it serves us to uh, also share with them what our uh, our country is like and help uh, create a better understanding on on the part of other people's people for uh, what Americans are and what's going on, uh, for example, in our country right now, and uh, in, ensure that they have a perspective from you know from our perspective. Um, and third goal, uh, of course, as we come back home. Uh, Right now, I think it's more about building bridges in our communities here at home. It's about creating a better understanding you know, on the part of Americans of other cultures and other peoples. And uh, I don't think that could be any more important than right now where we, we see challenges with tolerance and acceptance and, and other issues. And uh, I believe that uh, this is a call to action for our community to, to live out those three goals um, uh, throughout a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And this... Uh this interview and this discussion today with you is sort of built around the idea of advocacy and advocating for the Peace Corps. And that has a lot of facets. I mean, you've, you've touched on a lot of things that you are advocating for. Is there any one, two, three key things that you guys are really advocating for in the next year? You know, what's, what's the big focus for MPCA and the Peace Corps community at large? Sure. Uh, pretty much this year and every year, we are looking out for the funding for Peace Corps. Um, uh, often it is actually a, an ask, a request for increased funding for Peace Corps. And the reason for that is because uh, at any uh, given year now, we have roughly anywhere between twenty to 25,000 individuals applying to serve in the Peace Corps. And that's much higher than it has been in years past. Um and with a roughly 7,200 volunteers serving now, that means there's about 3,600 slots or positions available each year. So if you can imagine uh, 3,600 uh, positions available and 23 or 24,000 individuals applying for them, uh, many, many qualified, thousands of qualified volunteers are being turned away from serving their country in the Peace Corps right now. So. We know there's adequate, uh, more than adequate demand uh, by individuals who want to serve their country this way. And then on the part of the countries that host Peace Corps volunteers um, uh, at any time, there is a robust number of them asking for volunteers, more programs, new programs, or expanded programs. And uh, we know that the Peace Corps could easily, uh, over a period of time, uh, ramp up the uh, number of volunteers in the field to well over 10,000. Now, uh, at the moment, that's not our, our foremost objective. It is really more about uh, this year and, and at least in the next few years probably ensuring that Peace Corps uh, continues to hold the line on its fir- current funding. Um, we know that the Peace Corps also needs to and is in a process of right-sizing and, and becoming more efficient, uh, particularly at the headquarters level, but uh, ensuring that the numbers of volunteers are maintained. So, uh, this is important to us as well, and uh, you know we want to ensure that members of Congress understand uh, how important the Peace Corps is to our our uh, soft power, if you will, our diplomacy and development and and defense uh, combined. Uh, this is uh, uh, really a key element, uh, as uh, many in this community have noted already. So, 
funding for the Peace Corps is a, a priority, but legislation also that uh, continues to bring about the reforms uh, for Peace Corps, uh, particularly along the lines of health care for Peace Corps volunteers and returned Peace Corps volunteers. Uh, we have a current piece of legislation on both the Senate and House side uh, that is pending. Uh, we have other legislation uh, that we are helping to champion as well, uh, respect for Peace Corps Act and others. And so uh, really just ensuring that Peace Corps is, as we say, the best it can be is, is mm-hmm. uh, our objective with, with advocacy. And what are exactly the, the mechanics of that? So you say, you know, uh, asking Congress to, to maintain funding. Uh, for those who are listening who aren't in D.C., I got a lot of listeners who are current Peace Corps volunteers who are uh, serving right now. You know, they're in their communities listening uh, to you who's, you know, championing for them to have continued support. What what does that actually look like? Well, it uh, starts with um, a request from the president. Uh, uh, the president will generally uh, prepare a budget and present it to Congress, and it uh, reflects uh, the priorities of that administration. Um, and so first and foremost, we encourage our president to uh, hold firm on the Peace Corps funding. Um, unfortunately, this year we've seen a proposed cut of uh, roughly $14 million uh, um, of the $410 million uh, current funding level. Um, and then that means uh, we turn to Congress, uh, both the House and Senate, and uh, we advocate to them for the funding that uh, we'd like to see, to see Peace Corps uh, have, which at this moment is current funding uh, held level at $410 million. But that's when I say we, that's not just me and folks around here in my office. It, it really is our community that must mobilize and get out and speak to their members of Congress and certainly educate them and create awareness about the value of the Peace Corps and their own personal experience in the Peace Corps and, and after that. But it also involves um, going to the Hill with us and, and sitting down and meeting with members of Congress and their staff and letting them know why the Peace Corps is, is important to our country. And uh, uh, constituents need to speak to their members of Congress like never before. And uh, this is important now uh, bec- if, if Peace Corps is a cause that we care about. Mm-hmm. And for those who are listening who don't have the opportunity to come out to this year's Day of Action, uh, how can they, you know, play their part and their role in that advocacy? Right. Let me say first, Tyler, that uh, I was remiss myself in actually doing my advocacy for the Peace Corps over many years, uh, partly because I was a little bit disconnected from my community living overseas. uh, But also, uh, I just really wasn't aware of the importance of advocating for the Peace Corps. And so I would encourage you, if, if you're thinking about it or you know, think it's uh, not something that really needs to be done, think twice, because uh, right now uh, we need every single return Peace Corps volunteer, host country an- ambassador, uh, former staffer of the Peace Corps to speak to those members of Congress about the Peace Corps. And what that really involves is uh, uh, something that we make relatively easy. We do uh, the research on the numbers and the data and the information uh, that – uh, we can present to members of Congress uh, about the Peace Corps uh, to show the return on investment and the domestic dividend in particular, what's uh, in it for America as well. And uh, we uh, generally try to make it as easy as possible for you to advocate. If you can't come to the Hill, uh, we encourage you to organize in your community around the district level and meet with your members of Congress uh, in their home districts. And we provide the talking points, the materials, and and the advocacy coordinators around the country to help make that possible. And, and if that's uh, not even within uh, your possibility, we also uh, provide 
um, the opportunity to do what we call click-to-call and click-to-send um, campaigns in which we will send you the information and uh, a template letter or a template uh, talking points, uh, and you simply on your smartphone or, or phone click and call your member of Congress and leave the message or send an email to them or a letter to them. Um, this is really effective. Uh, members of Congress count how many contacts they have on a particular issue. The numbers matter. Uh, the contacts from constituents are, are very, very important. And uh, believe it or not, sometimes it really only takes a handful of, of uh, constituents calling a member of Congress uh, to convince them about the importance of the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And de- definitely from my perspective, uh, doing this podcast on Peace Corps stories, considering myself being a storyteller, I would encourage anybody who's reaching out, you know, tell your story. Mm-hmm. Let your representative know, not just the facts and figures of this is how many volunteers serve, this is the impact they have, you know, the numbers. Really let them know how it affected you, you know, the mm-hmm. things that you did in your community, the things that you learned, and how it made you a better American citizen. I think that is going to play a large role and be, you know, be open with them about your experiences. And I think that that will penetrate much more than the numbers because, I mean, these representatives uh, and congressmen and senators, they're constantly getting bombarded with those talking points and bullet points and memos. Uh, They want to talk to people. You know, at the end of the day, they are a person. Uh, They're not a they're not a spreadsheet. So really try to relate to them. So I would definitely say uh, do that. Tell your story when talking to uh, your congressman. You're absolutely right, Tyler. Storytelling is, is one of the best ways to make your point uh, to members of Congress. And along with the data, I believe that we can share uh, telling our stories really briefly and succinctly to them and, and what it means to us personally, as well as, again, that domestic dividend and, and the impact we're making in the world. It really uh, is compelling. Mm-hmm. And then how are you guys uh, organizing advocacy on the local level? I know like within states there are advocacy coordinators uh, how does that role work? Are they, I mean, are they volunteers? How do they become an advocacy coordinator? I'm going to be talking to a few of them to learn about their role, uh, you know, in their, their state and their community. Uh, but how long have you guys been doing that to, I guess, to start off having these advocacy coordinators? And then what is, what is their role? Well, we're in our, um, I believe our 12th or 13th year of having a Capitol Hill Advocacy Day. And, and then I think probably around five or six years that we have really been developing the Advocacy Coordinator Network. Um, a few years ago, I know we had maybe 25 or 30, and I think we're upwards of, of close to 50 now. Uh, we don't have advocacy coordinators in every state. Uh, we do need to have advocacy coordinators pretty much everywhere, particularly in every state. And um, it's... Uh, Something that if you feel a call to service and, and if you feel passionate about the Peace Corps and, and are willing and able to dedicate some time and effort to helping coordinate advocacy outreach in your area, uh, we welcome you to be a part of that network. And it's just a matter of letting us know and uh, becoming an advocacy coordinator um, and or uh, coordinating with others in your area that uh, are working on advocacy. Uh, we'll, again, provide all the support and help uh, needed there. Well, then I have two follow-up questions. How do they get in touch with you if they want to be an advocacy coordinator? If they're listening to this right now mm-hmm. and they want to be an advocacy coordinator, how do they reach out? Sure. Well, you can always reach me. I will answer every email and I will um, also refer you to the right people in the office. Uh, we have a team here, J.M. Asienzo and Jonathan Pearson. 
uh, who right now are coordinating most of our advocacy efforts. Um, and you're welcome to uh, simply write me. It's Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at rpcv.org. It's the simple email. And uh, you can also just go on to our website, rpcv.org. Um, and uh, that's actually shorthand for uh, PeaceCorpsConnect.org, but I think we remember RPCV.org pretty easily. Yeah, I actually didn't know that you had the right. RPCV.org because I always go to the Peace Corps Connect one. So that's nice that you have that nice little redirect right Redirects there. Redirects right to it. And then uh, we'll, e- you can either uh, drop an email to anyone there about advocacy and, and let us know or uh, send an email to me. I love to hear from our community and, and tell, you know, tell me a bit about your background and your story and I'll make sure the advocacy, uh, folks here, uh, are following up with you. And we welcome anyone and everyone who would like to be engaged in advocacy, whether it's at your home district here, here and on the hill or, or wherever. Mm-hmm. And I said I had two questions. The second question being putting you a little on spot so it's not if you don't have a, a answer for it. What states are you missing? You said you don't have all 50 states. Are there any states if we can, I uh, have a listener say, oh, I live in Nebraska. Well, we um, Nebraska is probably one of them. I think that we are missing. Uh, and I would say in the heartland in particular of America is where we, we really need to build out our advocacy network. I know I've made some recent trips back home to my home state of Missouri. And I have family in Kansas and friends in Oklahoma and Arkansas and those some areas where where we need to advocate very, uh, very much. Um and I believe uh, Missouri does have, I believe, an advocacy coordinator, but uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Nebraska, the Dakotas, uh, Kansas, uh, I don't believe we do. So uh, in particular, any of those uh, those heartland countries, as uh, heartland uh, states, as well as um, particularly the um, red states, um, mm-hmm. uh, Republicans tend to be strong supporters of Peace Corps. Um, across the board, uh, there's good support for Peace Corps on, on both, in both chambers and uh, – um, in both parties. And so it really is just about keeping them informed on, on what's important about Peace Corps, thanking them for their support as well, and asking them uh, not only to support Peace Corps, but become champions for the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And in closing, is there anything else that you want to share with the My Peace Corps Story listeners around advocacy? Well, I would just encourage uh, all of us uh, to do our part. I think right now, of course, there are many causes out there that are, are very important. Uh, many of our values might uh, uh, be challenged at this moment, and you know whether it's uh, uh, our perspectives on the environment or immigrants and refugees or or others. Uh, uh, these are really causes that are really, really important to us. And, of course, in the national debate and national conversation, uh, these are issues that are at the forefront. Um, and I think I would just encourage everybody to get involved and, and, and share your perspective, whatever it is, and however you feel on these issues, and, and make sure your, your members of Congress are aware of, of how you feel. And then also um, uh, share with your neighbor Get in our schools, in our churches, in our civic groups, um, around our community. We need to be speaking about our Peace Corps experience and telling others uh, about it and the experience that we had. Um, I would particularly encourage uh, individuals who are more recently returned from their Peace Corps service uh, to get engaged with um, advocacy. Um, it is actually fun. It's uh, educational. It's uh, really something that I think helps us feel that we are making a difference and doing our kind of our civic duty, if you will. It's, it is patriotic and it is important. It's the way our system works. And so 
I would encourage us as we return back from our service and, and throughout our lifetime that we engage in advocacy on the issues that are important to us. And, and I'm sure that every one of us would say Peace Corps is, is very important to us. I definitely encourage anybody who has the opportunity to come to D.C. and do one of these days of action. It is so energizing to walk the halls of Congress and go sit down and talk to representatives about Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. I mean, you leave the day on an absolute high, mm-hmm. and it's so great. So if you, if you have the opportunity to do it, please take it. Well, Glenn, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, and I look forward to many more great conversations. Very good, Tyler. Thank you so much, and thanks for all you do for the Peace Corps community. We really do appreciate you. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Hey, all. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Glenn, President and CEO of the National Peace Corps Association. But this episode is not over. As I said at the beginning, I also talked with two RPCVs currently living in Kentucky. Here is my chat with Bonnie Graves. Bonnie, welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a little rainy outside, but otherwise, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it, the temperature here in D.C. Uh, plummeted yesterday. It was at like a nice 70 degrees by the beginning of yesterday, but by the end, it was down in the 30s, and we might have some snow today. So uh, not, yeah, not, look, not looking forward to that. Uh, but rather than talking about the weather, uh, we had this call to talk about Peace Corps and your Peace Corps experience and how you've continued to advocate for Peace Corps. So just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and where you served as a Peace Corps volunteer, what years, and what you were doing. Thank you. I'm um, a former spouse of a military officer, and uh, we lived all over the world, this gypsy lifestyle with the U.S. Air Force. Um, However, after he retired, we divorced. And so I made myself available and joined the Peace Corps. Uh, during our life in, uh, in the military, we've lived in many countries. And so I was looking forward to my service. I served in Romania from 1992, 1994, as a teacher for English high schools, for high school students in Romania, teaching them English. But actually, my primary duty was instructing the teachers in the high schools and uh, learning them different ways to teach English in their classes. I coordinated um, a symposium in the northern part of Romania with many districts sending English teachers Romanian and uh, spoke with them. And we had a very nice time um, brainstorming different ways they could approach their students. After my service, I came back to uh, Washington State and um, joined AmeriCorps. And so I did a service there with college students in um, Tacoma. And during that time, I started to counsel them and uh, seek out international students in the college. And uh, remarked about my service in Europe and how much I enjoyed the Peace Corps and alerted them. And they uh, also talked about um, seeing and um, having experience with Peace Corps in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, I'm sorry. 
And then I went back to teaching in the local high schools. And each year I complied with the Peace Corps, spreading the word to local students. And so in the high schools, I began talking once a year to uh, student assemblies in the benefits of going out and making yourself available to join Peace Corps, reaching out to other cultures. It was very interesting because I had many different uh, questions about living abroad amid um, a culture they were not exposed to, but interested them and uh, kept tutoring them and uh, urging them to try out or find more about Peace Corps service. And um, I was able to do that. And so with high school and yes, also with the community colleges in the area, I um, continued to um, talk about Peace Corps service and reaching out to other cultures. I consider it one of the most difficult things that I've done in my life, but definitely one of the most rewarding things. I learned more about myself and I was able to reach out to many different cultures, learn about them and express the culture here in the U.S. and um, making contacts that actually I've continued till this day. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for your service as a volunteer and your continued service as you've advocated for the Peace Corps. Uh, from many people that that I've uh, talked to um, doing doing this podcast and just being involved in uh, various Peace Corps groups, you hear so often uh, that the first time that someone learns about the Peace Corps is actually from a teacher. You know, they have that high school teacher and it's like, oh, Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, they were a Peace Corps volunteer and they, they told me about their service and that's where I first heard about it. And I was interested. And I remember they were such a great teacher. And that's why I wanted to do Peace Corps. So you are just, you know, continuing that. Did you Do you have any students that you know of uh, that went on to serve as Peace Corps volunteers? No, not from um, my contacts in Washington. Not since I moved here um, barely two years ago in Kentucky. But um, it's so rewarding to hear the questions that these students ask about living in a foreign country. Many are interested and have traveled, but living in um, another person's culture is very interesting to them. And I um, told them how pleased I was at the training we received um, in country before we actually met with our students to teach. Peace Corps did a great job in indoctrinating us into the culture in which we were about to step into. So I was very comfortable in doing that. Mm -hmm. And then in, in your opinion, uh, why, why, do, why do we need a Peace Corps? You know, what is the importance of Peace Corps for uh, America? First, I have to say it is beneficial for both the American who does the service and to the influence that they leave with another country, city, school. 
I think it's so beneficial for growth in what I call uh, humankind, relating on a human basis with um, cultures that we are unfamiliar with, but we learn about. And likewise, they're, um, they're learning about what we can teach them about America. It's definitely an outreach, which is very important, and I think um, gains importance each year. Most definitely. And what about your experience? Was there anything in particular that has, you know, caused you to continue to be a champion of the Peace Corps? I've talked about it with uh, people wherever I have lived about this experience. It's it's um, what I call an aha moment when you are able to communicate with another person who is from a different culture on a human level, whether it's celebrating um, holidays in your culture, whether it's learning the language on both sides, whether it's um, learning about families and how we are the same and how we are different. And uh, it's really surprising, especially how much we are the same on a human level. And that's, um, that's important for us to learn and to pass on, I feel. Mm -hmm. And do you have any words of advice for uh, fellow returned Peace Corps volunteers um, looking to, to advocate for the Peace Corps, whether it be in the classroom or, you know, going to their uh, representatives, senators, congressmen to, to say, you know, I served in Peace Corps. This is how it impacted me. Do you have any recommendations for people looking to continue to advocate for a Peace Corps? In two ways. As um, you mentioned earlier, I think there is value in, uh, as a return Peace Corps volunteer group here in Kentucky, in together finding ways that we can write letters as a group and make ourselves known. And on a personal level, I find it very helpful wherever I live to seek out refugees or people from other cultures who come to America for whatever reason, with a church group or um, as escaping um, hardships in their own country, but reaching out to them. Because of our Peace Corps experience, I feel we can relate to them, having seen different levels of need. And um, I enjoy doing that, whether it's through churches or through schools in um, finding and working with uh, refugee children. There are many in Bowling Green in the schools, and I have enjoyed doing that. Well, thank you for, for just continuing to advocate not only for, for Peace Corps, but the international community at large. Uh, you know, sometimes we think of advocacy for Peace Corps uh, only being, you know, advocating for the, the program itself, but also it's advocating for the ideals of Peace Corps. And yes. you, you're, you're doing that as well. And that is very important. So I thank you for that. Yes, thank you. And I enjoy I enjoy doing that. And I feel like with my Peace Corps experience, I feel comfortable in meeting and uh, relating to these groups in the community situations or the schools here.
Well, thank you for the time this morning. Uh, it's been a a pleasure speaking with you. But because this is the My Peace Corps Story podcast, I do love uh, hearing actual Peace Corps stories, stories from experiences. Do you have a favorite memory uh, from your service or something that really stands out that's one of those things that you love to share with students? Yes. <laughs> um in Romania, I was given a little apartment close to um, a municipal building. And it was fine. It was small, but very convenient. And uh, several weeks into my service, I had heard from a local lady in the schools that a member of their um, governing body had announced that I was a spy there to spy on them. And they uh, positioned a guard at my door. And it was, it was humanly um, uh, not upsetting at all. I made more um, advances in a friendly way of visiting the, the sessions and uh, speaking with some of the lawmakers and had the experience of becoming friends with the guard at my door and so I turned it into a very warm and friendly situation. I often think of that and consider that um, a plus in my service, to able to speak to officials in that capacity. <laughs> well, that, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you uh, this morning. And yeah, just thank you for, for all the work that you've done in continuing to advocate for the Peace Corps experience. Well, thank you, Tyler. And I actually envy you in hearing so many experiences. I would love to do that, too, and learn more about different countries where I have not been from return volunteers. There are stories um, surrounding each of us. And uh, I thank you for your outreach. Enjoy talking with you also. Well, thank you. And before we end the show, I have one more interview, and that is with Will Glasscock, who is a Peace Corps Advocacy Coordinator. Learn about his service and what it actually means to be an Advocacy Coordinator. Hey, Will, welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. How are you doing? Doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Uh, today we are focusing on advocacy in the Peace Corps. But before we get into what you've been doing with advocacy, let us know a little bit about yourself, where you served, when, what you were doing, just anything that we need to know about Will. Sure. So um, uh, my name is Will Glasscock, and I served from uh, 2012 to 2014 in East Java, Indonesia. Uh, I served with my wife, Amy, and we uh, lived in a, in a small town called uh, Ngoro, where we worked in two different schools uh, teaching English. So uh, my school was a was a public school. Um, Indonesia being the largest Muslim country in the world, my school was reflected the country, 90% Muslim students, um, 9% Christian students, and 1% kind of everything else. And my wife worked in a, in a public madrasa, so she had 100% uh, Muslim students. So we lived and worked in those schools um, teaching English, uh, training teachers in, in the regional um, English teachers organizations, and then working uh, specifically in girls empowerment initiatives. Mm -hmm. And post Peace Corps, how have you, you know, con continued your involvement uh, with the organization? 
Yeah, so uh, once we got back uh, in 2014, we moved back home to Kentucky, which is home for both wife Amy and me. Um, we moved to Lexington, where we reside now, and uh, we've been able to, to continue being involved quite a bit with the Peace Corps. Um, we've taken on the responsibility of third goal activities, and we've been able to speak with community organizations, speak in schools, uh, church groups, and, and other groups to talk about uh, our experiences and, and what we learned in Indonesia and the, the culture and the people there. Uh, Indonesia, as I mentioned, is the largest Muslim country in the world. It's the fourth biggest country in the world. But for many Americans, they, they have heard of Bali, but they don't know much about the country. So there's you know so much there to, to share. And, and we take that uh, third goal responsibility very seriously and, and do everything we can to, to, to carry that out. And then we also have been involved with the local Kentucky Peace Corps Association. And then um, I've done uh, quite a bit with the National Peace Corps Association as well. And you uh, specifically are a advocacy coordinator for Kentucky, correct? Yes, Amy and I, uh, my wife, both are. And so what does that actually mean? Uh, what sort of larger role do you have in coordinating and what sort of help do you get from the National Peace Corps Association? Just what's that role and relationship look like? So the NPCA uh, is part of their job in working with Congress to to support uh, continued funding and, and favorable policies to Peace Corps. Uh, they rely on our, our PCVs around the country to advocate uh, on those on those points and, and, and on those messages. And how they do that is through using advocacy coordinators. I, I think in Kentucky, it's it's my wife Amy and me. But I think in depending on the state or the city, there might be multiple advocacy coordinators uh, in in other states. But what that does is it serves as a conduit for how they can get to us the the critical information of what's going on with Peace Corps funding and Peace Corps policy on Capitol Hill, uh, what the what the immediate actions are, uh, what they need RPCVs to do urgently, the facilitating the day of action, facilitating local uh, meetings with our members of Congress back home in Kentucky, um, kind of all those things. But the advocacy, advocacy coordinators are the way for MPCA to reach out and then for us to turn around and share that information with the Kentucky Peace Corps Association uh, and, and mo- mobilize people to act. So in the past, we've done things like have letter writing campaigns at, at our monthly happy hours and dinners. Um, we've had people go to the MPCA Day of Action. We've had uh, meetings that we've held with members of Congress in their district offices. So it's kind of all of that stuff that advocacy coordinators play a role in, in facilitating the conversations between NPCA and, and the troops on the ground. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in D.C. again for uh, Day of Action this year. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your your experience? I mean, how has it been? You know, uh, walking the halls of of con- Congress and talking to representatives and uh, senators. Yes, I, I'm going to be there again this year, and this will be my out of the out of the. This will be the fourth year that we've been home for MPCA Day of Action since Peace Corps uh, since our service, and this will be the third time I've attended. So I missed one year. Um, but my background: I, I worked on Capitol Hill as a staffer for two members of Congress. Uh, from 2004 to 2007. And then I was a lobbyist for the public television industry um, or association uh, for five years after that. So so my, my background and my wife's background are, are a little different in that we've, we've had that experience in the past. But what I found uh, in doing that, that work for NPCA on the Day of Action is that 
regardless of, of what office you're in or, or what staffer you're talking to or what the, the ideological uh, bent might be to the, to the office, no one questions the, the value and the importance of Peace Corps. Uh, there might be questions on um, some of the policies, some of the, the stories they may have heard, uh, you know, negative stories they may have heard on, you know, are federal taxpayer dollars best spent in that way? The, the, that might be where the, where the questions are, where the issues might be. But I've yet to, to be in a meeting where anyone has said that they don't think Peace Corps is a great idea. And in my past experience in my, in my other life working with Congress, that's, that not, that's one of the few issues where that would hold true. You know, most issues, um, there will be people that will oppose them for, for any number of reasons, but Peace Corps is something that to, to me seem, has seemed generally accepted by, by across the board in Congress, uh, which is a really easy place for us to start. And then it's from there, it's making the case for why uh, continued funding, increased funding and favorable, more favorable policies is going to be really important to furthering the work that Peace Corps can do. Um, but, but overall it's, it, those meetings are, while I can understand they might be nervous for people who haven't done it before, it's, it's generally a favorable uh, environment to step into when you're, when you're there representing Peace Corps or the National Peace Corps Association on behalf, advocating on behalf of Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And what would you say to a return Peace Corps volunteer who might think that, you know, their voice, you know, a letter, a phone call, you know, isn't really going to make a difference? You know, they, they hear the work that you're doing, uh, that, you know, there's going to be 100 plus people out, you know, uh, on March 1st, uh, you know, advocating for the Peace Corps. And they, they don't really need that. It's covered. Um, what, what would you say to them? Right, and and it's and and understand why people might might think that or or might that might be the impression they take when they when they see all the great work in PCA is doing, but from my time working on Capitol Hill uh, as a staffer, there will be issues that uh, are brought to the attention of the member of Congress or the or the staff person who's in charge of that area of issues um, that only are raised to that level because there have been a certain amount of phone calls or emails. Uh, today, I imagine that a lot of offices measure social media uh, mentions, but m- when I was on Capitol Hill, that was not an issue. Um, but uh, it's, it's, those, it's those emails and those phone calls that really raise the issue much higher up in the office than it would be if it was just uh, me or the advocacy coordinator for that state. Um, that says, this issue is really important to the constituents that I represent, you know, if I was the member of Congress or, or the staff person working for them. Um, and that's where you also might might get, you know, just, you know, if, if it's someone who's been opposed to favorable Peace Corps policies or, or continued fund level funding or expanded funding, um, the, that, you know, groundswell of, of support for Peace Corps from people that live in your district or, or in your state might be what it takes to start turning a little bit on that and start, um, being in support of those. We had a member of Congress in Kentucky who uh, was probably neutral on things publicly but uh, for Peace Corps, but became a member of the Peace Corps caucus only because of the of the meetings that, that the NPCA had had, had uh, Kentuckians take, uh, the meetings we had back home in Kentucky, and the letters of support for Peace Corps to that office. And they joined the Peace Corps caucus. Now, that's one step. There's a lot of steps that you know you'd like a member of Congress to take to be fully in support, but that's a huge first step to go from from neutral 
to being a member of the Peace Corps caucus is a huge step. And that only comes through having people engaged. And that can be as, as small of engagement as a phone call or an, or an email or a letter that goes a long way to, to beginning those incremental steps. Mm-hmm. And do, do you enjoy advocacy? I mean, do you get excited about it and why? I do. And it's been, I mean, it's been my, uh, most of my career for my adult life outside of our, our two years in Indonesia. Um, but it, but it's important because it's a chance for, uh, average citizens to, to talk about what's important to them and, and members of Congress and their offices listen to that. They, they, you know, the, the old adage is the squeaky wheel gets the grease and it could be a really critical issue, but if no one's talking about it or no one's taking the the few minutes to make those phone calls, write those emails, write those letters, uh, and today, you know, tweet uh, and, and, and Facebook message and all that. If no one's taking the time to do that because they think that someone else is doing that for them or, or NPCA has it covered in DC, uh, then, then it could be the most important problem in the world. But if it's, if no one's talking about it, then members of Congress aren't going to pay attention to it because they pay attention to the things that uh, people are, are advocating about talking about, uh, mentioning to them, um, requesting meetings about that's the stuff that that brings their attention because they're you know they they sit in their offices in back to back meetings all day, uh, they're in committee hearings, they're taking votes on the floor. It's hard to pay attention to the things that aren't being that aren't being talked about and, and yelled about and screamed about from uh, from the constituents back home. So that's why it's that's why to me it's it's I like advocacy. Um, because it's how it's how you make change, and without people uh, dedicating themselves to it in 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 really small ways or really big ways, you know nothing's going to change. And and through advocacy, you can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your continued efforts and promoting and championing the Peace Corps. And because this is the the My Peace Corps Story podcast, I would be remiss if I you know had you on the show and didn't ask uh, if you had a, a Peace Corps story that you wanted to share. Uh, this can be you know one of those favorite memories uh, that that you tell or you talk about you know when you're when you're advocating for Peace Corps, talking uh, to you know congressmen and and women. Uh, do you have one of those stories that comes to mind? Sure. The story that um, I was asked that by in a in a meeting with the congressional staff at my first day of action, and the story that immediately jumped to my mind was uh, we were serving in Indonesia when um, when the attacks had been had so well, in, in, the, well, in the moment of that. Yes. Can, yeah. You, it it went a little. Yeah, I can hear you now. It went a little robotic, oh, so, so, so can you just start over? I want to make oh, sure okay. that like yeah. there's no issues there. No, sure thing. Yeah, sorry, there's full full bars on this end. So, oh yeah, I'll I'll start over again. Um, so the the story that I that I think of is the story that I was asked uh, I was asked in my first uh, NPCA day of action by a congressional staff on a, on a story that that I would like to you know if there was a story I'd like to share and the one that immediately jumped to my mind was uh, during our time in Indonesia serving. Uh, we were there pretty on, early on in our service when the attacks in Benghazi had occurred. And in all the chaos surrounding that, when people you know, didn't know what the cause of that was or, or what had happened, um, you know, being in the, in the largest Muslim country in the world, it was a little unnerving of what, what might have been the cause of that, what might have played out. Uh, but I had a friend uh, named, uh, his name's Pahindin, 
and he was my closest friend in my school. And he, he reached out immediately. We happened to be traveling to, to the, to the city of Surabaya that day. And he reached out to check on us to make sure we were okay. He'd heard the news. He, he felt really bad for us. Um, and then when I came back, he, a couple of days later, we talked a lot about, uh, about what the purpose of Peace Corps is. And Pat Hindin told me that growing up, he uh, had grown up in a, in a more conservative mosque and the imam there often, you know, talked a lot about the evils of the Western world. And he said that that was just his assumption growing up. But when he got to university, he had a friend who had met um, a Westerner in Bali. And the the guy said, oh, he was a really nice guy. And for Pai Hindin, it took just that just that brief mention of a of a conversation that someone else had that the Westerner was possibly a really nice guy. Um, they kind of caused him to rethink some of the things he, he'd learned growing up. And he said, he said, that's, that's Peace Corps job now in Indonesia for you all to be, uh, those people that can, that can represent what, um, what may or may not be true about what people have learned growing up about the West. And that always, that always stuck with me. I always thought about how important that part of the job was. There's a lot of pieces, as you know, to, to the job of Peace Corps, but being, um, that opportunity for someone to meet you and, and think of, you know, that, that you might not be what they thought that an American or, or a Westerner might be, um, how, how, how the power of how that can, the change and the ripple effects from that. And, and he talked about that and said, you know, you need to take that job seriously because that, that could be the story about you next time. So that's a story that I've told, uh, on, in my Capitol Hill meetings, because I think it's important and it shows just the, at, at the bare minimum level of what Peace Corps volunteers do around the world, um, that's, that's part of it. So I, um, I think that's a, a really powerful message. Well, thank you for sharing that story, uh, with me and the listeners of the, my peace Corps story podcast. Before we close out, uh, this interview and episode, is there anything else that you would you know like to tell the listeners, uh, about advocacy and, you know, the, the work that you're doing in Kentucky and how people can uh, get involved? Uh, yeah, the last thing I would, I would like to say is, you know, regardless of where you live, you could live in a in a in a state or a congressional district that has a member of Congress who's super supportive of the Peace Corps or, or, or super supportive of funding, um, you know, diplomatic type programs, and they need to hear from you. They need they need you to tell them that you appreciate the the work that they do because members of Congress get a lot of complaints, but they don't get a lot of thank yous, and so for them to keep acting and keep working on those issues, it's really important for you to say thank you. For people who live in states or congressional districts that are the the exact opposite of that, where it might be someone who's never supported funding for Peace Corps or diplomatic programs or whatever it might be, uh, you know, your job's even more important because if you can move them from being opposed to funding for Peace Corps and and similar programs to just neutral, that's a huge step. Um, So it's, you know, taking a look at who represents you and thinking, ah, they've already, they're good, or I'll never change their mind. Both of those are, are not excuses. You, you need to, to continue to advocate and continue to, to push them to support what's a really critical, important program to, to the United States and to, and to the world. Um, so there's no excuses for, for staying out of the game on this. And it can be as quick as a, as a tweet, a phone call, uh, uh, an email, or taking the time to work with your your advocacy coordinator or just a group of of RPCVs locally to set up a meeting back home in their district office. 
So everyone needs to needs to be in the game, especially today when when there's such a fight over taxpayer dollars and what programs are funded. Um, if if you don't get involved, it's it's you know that's one less person that's working in this effort. So encourage everyone to do what they can to participate in advocacy. Well, well, thank you for that, and hopefully that people do feel encouraged to go out and advocate for the Peace Corps. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, and I look forward to meeting you in person uh, March 1st in D.C. Great. I can't wait. Thanks a lot, Tyler. And there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If this is the very first episode you've listened to, This episode is definitely a little bit different than what I typically do on the show. But I would love to hear what you thought of it. Over the next few months, I'm going to be experimenting and trying out several different formats uh, and just, uh, you know, changing it up a little bit to one, grow myself as an audio editor and podcaster and to provide you all with some very unique content. I also hope that you enjoyed uh, my my different vocal ranges slash variations of having a cold uh, that I had over these multiple interviews and recording sessions. If you want to stay better connected with me, always head over to MyPeaceCoreStory.com. You can find me on Instagram at MyPeaceCoreStory, on Facebook by searching for MyPeaceCoreStory. But until next time, remember that every volunteer has a story. What's yours?